What a glorious time to be alive. <laughs> I'm telling you, we were born for such a time as this. If you can't tell by world events and everything that's going on in the news that we are at least in the beginning of the end of the end times, then I don't know what to think about you. Just think, we were born for such a time as this. I feel a little bit like what Paul wrote about we're troubled on every side. It's easy to get caught up in all of the distractions, not only nationally and locally in our news here, but, you know, local events uh, with the prayer center and with our lives personally. Uh, I could sit here and start giving you a list of all the things that could become distractions, <laughs> pretty major things, you know. And by the time I finished my list, you'd say, well, Gary, you just sit there while I tell you about my list <laughs> because... It seems like almost with everybody I know that they're going through uh, severe, pretty severe things. And it's exactly Mark 4. It's the persecutions, afflictions, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things. The devil doesn't care what distracts us from our pursuit of revival as long as we are distracted. So the more he's going to push things our way like that, the more determined we are to dig in and press in harder than ever before because we are going to the other side. We are not content with a powerless religion. We're not content with what has passed for church in our lifetimes. We're not content with this uh, gospel. You know, it, it says there is a God, but never demonstrates the power of God. We're not content with that. We have an assignment. You, you got hooked years ago, most likely, by hearing Pastor Dave give the a commission that he had received from the Lord to take a group of people far enough into God to bring a supernatural revival, supernatural revival to a religious city that would spread around the world. See, something in you, yes, and God put a hook in your jaw, drew you to this message, and the devil's been throwing everything, including the kitchen sink, at all of us trying to get us distracted. Please focus on something else. Just don't keep pursuing revival. But we are determined. And we're going to keep pressing in. So I'm not going to talk about our building today or lack thereof. I'm not going to talk about um, the things that's going on in our personal lives or, or your things that I know about. Let's not focus on it. Now, things have to be handled. Don't get me wrong. And lots of things are happening. But in these messages, let's, let's continue to be laser focused. We are on an assignment from God. We cannot be distracted. We are going to the other side. And I don't care what hell throws at us. We're still going to the other side. We have authority over hell anyway. Every storm will speak in the name of Jesus, peace be still, and we will arrive at the other side, and God is going to have his revival. Well, that was a great message. We'll see you next week. <laughs> teasing, teasing. I'm just fired up a little bit this morning, fired up. Uh, I want to continue. I've got my Bible here, and I want to continue with where we left off last week. I think the title of last week's message was, this is the work of God. And of course, that's what Jesus said in John chapter six. So if you want to look this, this up, it's John chapter six, verses 28 and 29. Then said they unto him, 
what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Now, let's just stop there for a minute. If that's not the question of the prayer center, June marked 30 years that Sue and I have been attending the prayer center. We started in June of 1992. And uh, that's ultimately the question, see, because to have a supernatural revival, a supernatural outpouring, we've got to be able to work the works of God. And the people saw Jesus doing that. And I've taught several times recently the way he showed it to me. You know, they're asking, well, what must we do to work the works of God? Well, what if they said, can we can we join your school of discipleship, Jesus? Will you uh, will you teach us how to do what you're doing? And say, well, sure, come in and and you you join the discipleship of Jesus, and you sit down in class, and the very first day he's going to tell you, well, the first thing you got to know, it's not me doing the works. And they'd go, we just saw you doing the works. <laughs> I, I was in the crowd. I, I saw you open the eyes of the blind. I, I I saw you when you prayed for that man that had no leg, and I watched a leg grow out. We watched you as you blessed the, the loaves and fishes, and it fed the, the multitudes. Well, it is you doing the works of God. We want you to teach us to do the works of God. But see, Jesus said in John 14, he said, Believe me, it's the Father in me. He doeth the works. It's not me doing it. He's talking from the position of the man, Jesus of Nazareth, not the God man. I know Jesus is God. Don't, don't write me no letters, <laughs> but he laid down his divinity. Everything that we see him doing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and really in the book of Acts through the apostles, everything that he did, he did as a man anointed by the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost. When he says it's the father in me, he means the Holy Ghost because in the Lord's Prayer, he says, pray this way, our Father, which art in heaven. Well, is he in heaven or is he in Christ? Well, he's both. The Father himself is in heaven, but the Father's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was in Christ the same way he's in us today. So the first thing Jesus would tell you is, look, you're going to have to learn to let the Father do the works through you. And for us, it's learning to learn, learning to let Christ do the works through us, because in John 17, I know I've, see, this is why you, you can't teach, you can't <laughs> go into a very baby church and teach these things. There's too much foundation needed. See, because you know, John 17, Jesus' prayer, Father, I pray that they be one as we are one, I in them, and thou in me. And Jesus said, without me, you can't do nothing, but thank God we're not without him. When you get born again, the Spirit of Christ comes in you. And then that comes to maturity, and then the fruit produces, is produced. Well, what's the fruit? Well, that's the Father in you. He's still doing the works through Christ in you. <laughs> Paul said it's a great mystery, and it is a great mystery. He says, that, you know, this is the mystery of the ages. Christ in you. The hope of glory. And that word hope could also be translated image. He is the very image of God, and He's in us. Just so many verses flooding up into my memory. We're do, I guess this is a review. Know ye not that your bodies, your body, this mortal body. Know ye not that your bodies, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Wow. See, now we're back to the verse where I started a few weeks ago. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Boy, if that's not true. 
Not only do we have the treasure of the message of the gospel that we're to tell everywhere that we go, we also have this treasure, Christ in us, the hope of glory, Christ in us. And through Christ in us, the Father can still do the works just like he always did. So our question, the question of the prayer center, really for 30 years, if you'll allow me, and there's a lot of other things that have been answered in that time. What must we do to work the works of God? And notice how they asked it, plural. What must we do to do the works, plural, of God? When Jesus answered, he uses a singular word. So in verse 29, he says, Jesus answered and said unto them, this, this is the work, singular. <laughs> this is the work of God, that you believe on him. Whom he has sent. Well, of course, that's, that's Christ. That's Christ. Not only Christ seated at the right hand of God, but he's really talking about, he's foretelling of the day. Christ in us. See, and let's go over to John 14, 12. We're awfully close anyway. I know you can quote it, but let's look at it in our Bibles again. See, verse 11 is where he, I like, let's start in verse 10. Believest thou not that I, this is John 14, 10 through at least 12. <laughs> well, no, we're going a little farther, I think, today. Verse, we'll go at least through verse 14. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Now, I want you to stop and think about this for a minute because there's still a lot of religious thinking out there that's just not scriptural. See, people think that the Father always dwelt in Jesus, you know, from the time he was a little boy, that the Father dwelt in him. Well, I'm not saying that he didn't have life from the Father. He obviously did. The Father had that life in himself. He gave for the Son to have that life in himself. He's born of the Father's Spirit. There's no doubt about that. But what he's talking about here is the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Gary, how dare you say that? Well, because it's true. When he says it's the Father in me that doeth the works, it's interesting. You can study it out for yourself. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus, the man himself, never did any kind of miracle before the day he was baptized by John in the River Jordan and the Holy Ghost descended upon him like a dove and came to abide. That's the day he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's the day that the Father came to dwell in him. Now, from that point on, we see the Father in him doing the works, but we don't see that before. So he's talking about the baptism in the Holy Ghost. No wonder the, the devil has fought that baptism so hard. The churches I grew up in, they love Jesus. I don't ever mean to disparage them. Uh, they do. They love Jesus. They're in heaven. Thank God they preach Christ and him crucified. I thank God for all the men and women and little boys that girls that's got born again in those churches, but they absolutely did not teach the baptism in the Holy Ghost. They didn't deny the Holy Ghost, but it's like, well, he kind of died with the apostles. I don't mean that. They didn't really preach that, <laughs> but, but they didn't, they didn't expect, let me say it this way. They sure did not expect the same works to be being done today that they read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They never denied that God could do it. They just never could talk him into a notion of doing it. Okay, I'm not being real nice. I'm sorry. 
But they love God. They really did. I don't really mean to disparage, but this is such an important truth. It's the Father that dwelleth. He came to abide in Jesus. Listen, if he's doing, he doeth the works. Well, he certainly did not do them in Christ before the day he was baptized in the Holy Ghost. He did them after, because that's the day that the Father, by his Spirit, came to dwell in the physical body. See, that Jesus had a body. Exactly, his body came from Adam, the same as ours did. Now, his Spirit didn't. His Spirit was conceived by the Holy Ghost. His spirit was from God, but his body was the same kind of body you and I had. That's why it says he was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. But his body was the temple of the Holy Ghost from the day that he was filled with the Holy Ghost. From that day he was baptized by John. Okay, so in verse 10 again, it finishes up. It's the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Then verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in in me. Or else, in other words, if you won't take my word for it, believe me for the very work's sake. Let me pause again right there. The world needs to see that verse demonstrated. See, Jesus, because the Father was able to do the works through him, when I say able, he's always able. But see, there was nothing in Jesus that hindered the flow of the Father. The Father was free to do through Jesus whatever he wanted to do. He's working on us to get us to that same place where there's he can flow through us and do whatever he wants to do. See, the Father wants to heal more than you want him to heal. He wants to save more than you want him to save. He wants to deliver more than you want him to deliver. The problem is not him. The problem is us. Thank God that Pastor Dave taught us that so many years ago so we could focus on the right the right part of us because he says here believe me for the very work's sake boy does the world need to see the works being demonstrated so they can believe have you noticed they're not taking our word for it (laughs) God's in me you need to get saved there's a real heaven and a real hell and sin is sin and righteousness you know all of our different messages and they're going we'll prove it you saying your God is real and he lives in you? I've got, a, I've got a blind friend. I'll bring him to you. Open the eyes of the blind like Jesus did and I believe he lives in you. But if you don't do it, I don't believe it. And that's exactly where we are. We are exactly at a Mount Carmel uh, experience, very much like Elijah in the Old Testament. You remember Mount Carmel? I'm sure you do. All these prophets of Baal, and that's the world. I'm telling you, the world is still worshiping Baal. They don't call him by that name, but it's exact. You know, spirits don't die. That, that Those demonic spirits classified as Baal and Molech and so forth, they don't go by the same name, but they haven't died. They're still alive. They're on planet Earth today. They're called, Paul called them principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and so forth. Well, they're still doing the same thing, and the world is still worshiping and bowing down to them, just like it did then, it's doing now. What a time to be alive. We are right at a Mount Carmel time. The same challenge needs to be spoken by us that was spoken by Elijah. He said, if Baal be God, serve him. But if the Lord our God be God, serve him. The God that answers by fire. He is God. What he meant by fire, literally God answered by fire on Mount Carmel when it came and consumed the, I love it, the sacred, they, 
They doused it three times with water, but it consumed the sacrifice. It consumed the, the stones that the altar was built on. It licked up all the water that was in the trench. I mean, God answered by fire. In other words, demonstration. Something the people could see. And boy, when they saw it. <laughs> okay, Elijah. God, you're God. He is God. Baal is false. And they killed the prophets of Baal. And I'm not saying we need to kill anybody. But their ministry sure need to be destroyed. Their administrations in our government need to be destroyed. And this nation needs to return to God. And the judgment begins at the house of God. And that's really what all of these messages, not only mine, but Bronx and Jim's and Allen's and Hans and everybody that we're, that we know that's affiliated with. Judgment begins at the house of God. We're the ones that's got to be judged for our unbelief. Because this whole thing works by believing. I'm getting back to it in a minute. <laughs> now I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. I just know what he keeps telling me. And, and so we're, my job is to share what he's telling me with you. And that's what we're doing. But we've got, we can't be distracted by all these things. And some of them are pretty major stuff. Still, you gotta deal with it. You gotta handle it. But you, we cannot be distracted from our mission. I'm telling you, the blind will see, the lame will walk, the deaf will hear. That is what the world needs to see. He said, believe me for the work's sake. We can't really say that because we're not demonstrating the works. But if they see that, they're going to have a hard time denying that God is in you and that the gospel is real. They're going, well, if that's real, there must hell must be real. And if hell is real, God is real. And if God is real, what he calls sin is sin, I better repent. Now you got people coming to coming to the cross and and being saved for real and changing their lives. See, we just had a and again, I don't want to make these messages too connected with the times, but you know, we recently had a Roe versus Wade was overturned. Okay, great. All that really does is return the power to decide about abortions to the states. It doesn't eliminate abortion. And already more liberal states are doing everything they can to ramp up uh, the you know change you know to fortify their laws so abortions can continue uh, well and I'm sorry if you haven't heard messages along this line abortion is murder it's just plain murder it's all it is because science has finally caught up with the Bible science knows that at conception the DNA is created for that human individual it's unique. Nobody else has that DNA. Nobody ever had it. Nobody ever will have it. It's like fingerprints. They're just not no two alike, really. Snowflakes, no two are alike. This is the infinite uh, ability of our God. Well, that conception, that DNA of that human person is created. I, I did a message, oh, I don't know, a few years ago called Hands That Shed Innocent Blood. And in that message, we went back and to see what the Bible says about it. You know, the Bible called Isaiah by name from his mother's womb. While he was still in the womb, God knew Isaiah. Well, here's a perfect question. If that mother that had <laughs> that child in the womb, if she would have aborted, see, today they would call it a fetus. Well, if she ab aborted, would she be aborting a fetus? Or would she be aborting Isaiah? Well, obviously, it's, it's the murder of Isaiah. 
God said the same thing about the prophet Jeremiah. He said the same thing about... Uh, David said the same thing in the Psalms. Think about John the Baptist. You remember John the Baptist? Uh, Elizabeth was already about six months pregnant when Mary got pregnant and came to visit Elizabeth. And the moment that Mary walks in the room with the little embryo, she's only pregnant weeks, maybe a week or two, not very long. So you've got the little bitty embryo of Jesus, the man, in the inside of her. But when she walks in the room, room, when she walks in the room, John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth, he leaped. Now that, that tells you right there, John the Baptist was a human in the womb of Elizabeth and little embryo a few weeks at best, Jesus was already a human in the womb of Mary. Abortion is murder. You're not removing a fetus. You are killing a child. Now see, that goes against everything in nature for a mother to murder her baby. Part of the problem, it's not all their fault. They had lots of help for a generation, really several decades. It's been taught to them that 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 little embryo, that little fetus on the inside of them is just a blob of flesh, that it's not a human, but it is a human. Isaiah was a human. Jeremiah was a human. John the Baptist was a human. Jesus was a, a human. You know, I understand he's God, but he's the man, Jesus, the embryo. If she would have, dear God, what if Mary would have aborted Jesus? Okay, we're not even, we're not even going to go there. Now, the point is this. You have to know the truth. See, Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. The church has been so wimpy and mamby-pamby on so many different things, people don't even know what sin is anymore. They don't know what truth is anymore. They, you know, there is absolute truth no matter what the world says. See, the world wants everything to be relative. Uh, my truth is not the same as your truth. Darling, there's only one truth, and Jesus is it. <laughs> I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You're going to come by the way of truth, or you're not going to come. Boy, I felt his pleasure on that sentence right there. <laughs> you're going to come to the Father by the way of truth, which is Jesus, or you're not going to come. You know, Jesus said about the Word of God, what I'm holding right here. He said, thy word is truth. There is absolute truth, and it's the word of God. Jesus is truth with legs. He is truth manifested where we can absolutely see, see what God is like, you know. Well, God's a savior. God's a healer. God's a forgiver. But God is a judge, too. And you don't want to be you want to judge yourself now, like it says in Corinthians. If we judge ourselves, we won't be judged. Well, thank God we have that capacity. Well, I want to get back. I feel like I've, my job is to follow him, though. Maybe maybe some of these versions, I hope they're led by the Spirit. I'm just trying to follow the pictures and, uh, and the verses that I hear. Well, we still haven't finished reading our little passage here in John 14. So let me read verse 12 and then we'll continue. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. Now, see, over in John 6, John 6, 29, Jesus said, this is the 
work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. So how do we work the works of God? Well, we believe on him. That word believe, notice John 14, 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater than these shall he do. Because I go unto my Father. I didn't understand that verse for many years. See, the ministry, the miracle-working ministry of Jesus Christ was not supposed to end when he went to heaven. It was supposed to be multiplied. That's a big part of the purpose. He came to make it possible for us to become the children of God, for us to be born of God's Spirit, same way he was born of God's Spirit. And, you know, I like how Alan says it, you know, the devil had enough trouble with one Jesus running around, doing the works of God, setting all these captives free. You know, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dead being raised on occasion. You know, uh, the maimed made whole. I love that one. Wait till we have church services where we watch while legs grow up. I don't mean grow out four inches. I mean, and I thank God for that. But I mean, where legs grow, where there's no leg. (laughs) In my mind's eye, I can see CBS, ABC, NBC, and the Fox News Network (laughs) with cameras trained to disprove this God and that while the cameras were trained on somebody that came in missing a leg, the cameras record and the whole world watches as that leg that wasn't there just grows out with a perfect foot. Now, that's demonstrating the works. That's, believe me, for the very work's sake, trust me, when the world watches that kind of thing, they're going to have a hard time denying that God is real and that his word is true, that sin is really sin, that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And they're going to run to the altars to get saved. Hallelujah. God, I feel. (sighs) Father, help us not be diverted. You want all of this more than I want it. And I want it really bad. And these people listening, they want it really bad. And Father, you know better than than us that hell is throwing every kind of diversion, every kind of circumstance, every kind of emergency, everything to distract us and draw us away and get us even just focused on survival now instead of the calling that you gave us. And that's to go to the other side of this powerless religion and land on the other shore where you can still do the works that you've always done through Christ in us, Lord. We've got to get to the other side. And this believing, I know, is a big part of it. Father, help us stand strong. Help us stay laser-focused, not diverted to the left, not diverted to the right. Keep us laser-focused on revival. You know, last week a prophecy came through Pastor Bronk. And what what the prophecy, there's many wonderful things in that prophecy. But one of the main things that I heard was, Listen to the blueprint again and again and again. I've already got it reloaded into my phone as an MP3 format. And by the way, you can go to bronkflint.org. Right below the first picture, kind of to the right, you'll see blueprint MP3. And what they've done there, they've, I believe there's 10 of 10 prophecies that they combined together 
in a single MP3. You can either play it at their website or you can download it to your phone. That's what I did. So I can listen to that in my car. I can, I can listen to it at the gym when I'm on the treadmill. I can listen to it over and over and over again because it's, to me, it's like Noah's Ark. You know, God just didn't say build me a big boat. <laughs> no, he gave Noah precise instructions what to do. Told him, make it this many cubits, not that many cubits. You make it this many cubits, you use this kind of wood, you use this kind of pitch. To... God brought in great detail. God told him how to produce what Noah needed to produce for his generation. Well, he's called us to produce something in our generation. And it's a revival that demonstrates the works of God to an unbelieving world and be honest, an unbelieving church. So that we can say, believe me for the very work's sake. Believe me for the very work's sake. You don't have to just take my word for it. Look at the works. See, and there's been many revivals. I don't mean M-A-N-Y. I thank God for every revival, but many, M-I-N-I, meaning they didn't last very long. And then there's been sort of almost, uh, I want to say counterfeit revivals. And what I mean by that is people that are not very transformed to the image of Christ, but yet the works, excuse me, the gifts are manifested through them. Dave used to talk about an uh, evangelist he knew in uh, I don't say I, I don't want to say enough information to reveal anything, but Dave would tell us more than once about this this fella. He said there was no denying the signs and the wonders and the healings. You could have medical doctors right there, and they did sometimes. Valid, definite, undeniable. But they came by the signs because this man was not very transformed to the image of Christ. See, the signs, the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit including working uh, gifts of healings and working of miracles, are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's the very same book where Paul said to them, your little babies, I can't give you meat. I can only give you milk. Yet that book includes the vast majority of the information we have about the gifts of the Spirit. Well, what does that tell you? God can use babies and the gifts, and he very often does. So Dave would tell us about this man. He said, man, he there's he would pray for people and their signs and wonders would happen. There's no denying it. But he said that same guy, a few minutes later, or maybe the next service, he would say, I'll give you a word from God for $300. You got to give $300 into my offering. Listen, anybody, anytime somebody says that, just, just leave the building. <laughs> for sure, don't, don't do that. See, that's a very immature person. I'm not saying he's not in heaven. I'm not saying he wasn't a child of God, but he's a very immature child of God, if he was. No, you don't. God doesn't charge money to heal people. God doesn't charge money to prophesy to you and tell you what he thinks. No. Anyway, I'm not teaching on on money today. But, again, i got to keep coming back to our to our verse here. See, he that believeth on me, verse 12, John fourteen twelve. He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these, because I go to the Father. I want to say it again. It was never the mind of God that the miracles of Christ, really the works of the Father, would stop when Jesus ascended into heaven. The whole idea was they would increase. Because now... 
Like Alan says, the devil had enough trouble with just one person around, let's say one Jesus around, opening the eyes of the blind and healing the sick and casting out devils. What if there was millions of them? What if there was a billion of us on planet Earth? There's eight billion people roughly on planet Earth. What if there was a billion of us believing on Christ to the point that the Father could still do the same works through us? We could say to the world, believe us for the very work's sake. If you don't take my word for it, believe me, believe us for the very work's sake. Oh my God. You talk about a repot. You know, that's exactly what we're coming to and you are a part of it. God has not had you a part of this vision for all of these years for you not to be part of it. We're coming into the, to the, we're probably already in the beginning of the end, of the end times. Now I'm not a prophet and I don't know. He doesn't share with me the day or time that he's coming, of course. But just looking at the, all that I see, it so lines up with the Bible that we're coming to the end. Well, God wants a harvest. Why hasn't he already come? It says he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. There is coming a revival that's even going to be more powerful than the revival of the book of Acts. And how we know that is through the gift of prophecy, he said to us, we are going to see things that no human has ever seen. Well, that includes the humans in the book of Acts. And you know what? I believe some of them are going to come through your hands. I believe some of them are going to happen when you speak the mind of Christ. We are going to become so one with his mind, his his thinking. Uh, you know, one of the things God said one time, he said, this is what must change. The thinking that is not of me. Boy, every time I really get to meditating on, on that, you know, no wonder we're told to renew our mind. You know, be, be no longer conformed to this world, but be you transformed. And that means, that doesn't mean just imitate. That means metamorphosis, like a caterpillar to a butterfly. Don't be like the world anymore, but be you transformed. How? By the renewing of the mind. And I used to think the renewing of the mind really was replacing bad knowledge with good knowledge or replacing falsehood with truth. And that is part of renewing the mind, but that alone is not a renewed mind. A renewed mind not only knows the truth, but it submits to the truth. See, it's one thing to know, have knowledge, I should repent. It's another thing to repent. <laughs> only after you repent has your mind been renewed. Well, I'm preaching real good today. Okay. Let's, let's talk about believing on him. I remember, uh, you know, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth, here we go again, whoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you look up that word believing in the Amplified Bible, it doesn't mean just have knowledge of. It means trust in, cling to, rely upon Jesus. If we bring that same definition over here, those that in John 14, 12, those that cling to, trust in, rely upon me, they shall do the same works. Go back to John six twenty nine. Those that trust in, cling to, 
rely upon me. That is the work singular of God. Are we supposed to live holy? Absolutely. Are we supposed to uh, surrender our lives to Him? Absolutely. But after Peter spoke, and the lame man at the gate beautiful was healed, Peter said, why look on us as though by our own holiness or our own power this man is made whole? No. It's through, it's that name through faith in that name. Jesus was the one that healed the, the lame man. But now he's doing it through Peter and John. Through the authority he's given his church. There, when, when Peter spoke, stand up on that, in the name of Jesus, stand up on thy feet and raised him up. Instantly the man's legs received strength, it says. And, and he not only stood there, he was able to, to jump and leap and rejoice and Boy, you talk about having an effect on the city. Of course it's going to have an effect on the city. Thousands got saved after that. Now we're talking revivals. But Peter knew it wasn't even... Hey, the Bible says without holiness, no no man will see the Lord. Peter understood we're supposed to live holy, but it, that's not... And I believe Peter was living a holy life. I don't think he was going down <laughs> visiting... Uh, loose women <laughs> or getting drunk or any of those things. He was living holy, but he knew it. we live holy because that's who we are. It's got nothing to do with the name of Jesus. Now, that's good right there. See, It's that name through faith in that name. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And Peter had been filled with the Holy Ghost. The Father was dwelling in Peter just like the Father was dwelling in Christ when Jesus had his own body. Well, he still has his own body, but now it's Peter's and John's and yours and mine. But it's Christ in us and the Father in him. And it's still the Father doing the works. And he says, our job, we really only have one job. The work, not works. This is the work. One, one thing to do. And that's to believe on him. Trust in. Cling to. Rely upon. We've got to come to that. Where it's just as real to us as it was to Peter. And we're still in John 14. Let me go up a few more verses. This, well, what do I have to believe? Well, how about believing what he said? <laughs> remember that most of you remember quite a few years ago now, one time when I was just preaching away at the prayer center, just preaching away. And right in the middle of my sermon, can you imagine? Like he, like he thinks that's his, his time. You know him, Keith. <laughs> Right, right, in, right in the middle of my message. To me, I mean, I saw Jesus walk through the wall, walk right over to the pulpit. My Bible was open on the pulpit, just like this. And he walked, he walked right over to the edge of the pulpit, put his finger on the Bible and said, I want to be believed. Well, he that believes is going to do the same works. He that trusts in, clings to, and relies upon. We've got to start trusting in, clinging to, and relying upon Christ in us. Just as much as we, even more so than we believe when we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because that is the true gospel. It's true. Now listen to what he says. He says, I want to be believed. Let, what about believing what he said? <laughs> Look, 
I started saying, looky here, like a little kid, you know. <laughs> looky here, looky here what this is. So I'm going to read John 14, 12, and I'm going to try and make it through 14 without talking. <laughs> God, I love the word. All right. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth in, on me, he that trusts in, clings to, and relies upon me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. See, Peter believed that. Peter absolutely believed that. Did you notice, though, when Peter commanded the blind man, he didn't... He, nowhere do we find Peter going, Father, I am asking you to heal this man. There was a minister, a very famous minister many years ago, who had a son who was sick. And it was a partial birth defect, if I remember right. Pretty much incurable by the world. But he kept asking the father to heal his son. And then one day the father just kind of, you know, the Holy Spirit manifested to him and he began hearing the father speak. And the father said, you act like you love your son more than I do. I want your son healed worse than you do. You don't really need to ask me to heal him. That, that, that asking is our, your son's healing has already been paid for. That question's already been answered. Your job is to believe it so I can do it. Now I'm paraphrasing some, but that was the essence. Boy, that's, that stuck with me. So he says right here, verse 13, whatever you shall ask in my name. Well, Peter didn't ask in the sense of, Father, please heal this blind man. See, that word ask can also mean declare. Peter stood up. What, what did he say? Stand up right on thy feet. Like, let me just find it. Now, you already know, it's a blind man. He's been sitting there uh, begging for many years. He was lame from his mother's womb. Let's pick it up in Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Now, I'm going to, I'm just, let me stop for a moment. We find out later what he's talking about. What did Peter have? He had the name of Jesus. More than that, he had faith in the name of Jesus. More than that, he believed what Jesus said. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Now notice, this is how, this is a de declaration, not, not in the sense of asking, but if you read it yourself, you'll never find in here where Peter asked the Father to heal that man. He already had the name of Jesus. He already knew the will of God. He already knew what Jesus said. And it's exactly what we've been reading. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. Well, Peter believed it. Would to God that we did. <laughs> in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Why add of Nazareth? Why not just say it, Jesus the Christ? You know, Christ wasn't his last name. When they say Jesus Christ, it means Jesus the Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the anointed one. In his name, rise up and walk. That's a command. That's a declaration. Like the church I grew up in, they knew God could heal. They just didn't know if he wanted to. So when they would pray for this, 
pray for the sick. It was always, we're, we're praying for Uncle Joe, Father, heal him if it be thy will. You don't see anything like that in here at all. Peter knew the will of God. He'd been traveling with Jesus for three, three and a half years. He saw that Jesus never turned away anybody that came to him for healing. You can do your own study on that. I did years ago. Not one person was ever turned away who actually came for healing. Jesus healed them all. Peter saw that. He knew the will of God. But he also believed what Jesus said. We just read it. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. (laughs) What? Peter believed it, such as I have. What do you have, Peter? I have the name, and I have faith in that name. What does that mean? I believe Jesus meant what he said. Jesus promised, whatever I ask in his name, he'd do it. Jesus wants to be believed, and Peter would say, well, I believe it. It's our turn to believe him today. Listen, you can do this. I can do this. We were born for such a time as this. The world has got to see the works demonstrated. Believe me for the very work's sake. Believe me for the very work's sake. They've got to see the works. Jesus demonstrated the works. In the, in the book of Acts, the apostles demonstrated the works. In our generation, we've got to demonstrate the works to a lost world that they can hear and believe the gospel and be saved. God wants a mighty harvest. I'm believing in my confession time and prayer time for a minimum of a billion souls to be one to Christ in my lifetime. And I'm 75. And I believe it to start now, really. There's no reason it can't start today. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And see, Nazareth, when he adds that of Nazareth part, that's to let everyone know for sure he's not talking about Jesus as God. When he says the Jesus, the Messiah of Nazareth, that's the man that was crucified. That's, that's, that's the one made a little lower than the angels for, so he could be put to death. That's the sacrifice, but he's a man. But now he has been exalted and he's been glorified and exalted to the right hand of the Father. Now he is the God man again, if you'll allow me. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father, but his form has forever been altered now. Because he'll be in the form of a man Mm, for all eternity. But Peter had that, such as I have. What do you have, Peter? And we'll say it again. I have the name of Jesus. And more than that, I have faith in that name. What does that mean? I believe what he said. He said over there in John 14, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it. I believe him. So therefore, because I believe him in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately, oh God, we need a bunch of immediately, a bunch of suddenly. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Oh, I want to see the replay of that in heaven. I want to see if it, you know, because I know he had bird legs because he'd never walked. I mean, the muscles had to be terribly atrophied. So did they fill out all of a sudden? And that's how he got strength? Or did God just strengthen the bird legs? Well, I want to see the replay. I'm sure there's a divine VHS player. That tells you how old I am. A VCR. (laughs) In heaven, they can rewind and show me that. Anyway, come on down to verse 12, see, because the people started looking in at Peter and and, uh, thinking that, you know, maybe you're the Messiah. (laughs) 
Verse 12, when Peter saw it, he answered to, unto the people, you men of Israel, why, why marvel you at this? Or why look you so earnestly on us as though by our own power? It's not our power or holiness, even though we're walking holy. Why as though by our own power or holiness, we have made this man to walk? We didn't do it. It sounds like Jesus. It's not me doing it. <laughs> Remember? It's not me doing it. It's the Father in me. Well, Peter's going, it's not me doing it. It's Christ in me. <laughs> it's not by our own power. I'm not doing the works. Christ in me and the Father in him's doing the works. Oh, man. Then he goes on, he says, verse, come on down to verse 16. We're, we're getting short on time. And his name, this is what Peter had. His name through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know, the faith of which is by him. Mm. Man, I could just go on. I hate to even leave that passage, but go over to 14 again. Or John 14, I'm sorry. I should have put a marker there. I told you I would at least finish that little short passage. See, what did Peter say? It is that name, through faith in that name, and I like to paraphrase it this way now. What do you mean faith in that name? What do you, what do you mean? Well, I believe what he said. I believe Jesus is Lord of all. He's been exalted to the right hand of God. But I also believe Christ is in me and I believe he'll do exactly what he said. So you know what believing is? <laughs> you hear the truth, you either believe it or reject it. Here's the truth. Verse 13. John fourteen thirteen, and whatsoever you shall ask. Now, now, when I every time I read that word ask, I also mean no. It means declare. In my name, Peter didn't ask like we're used to thinking about asking. Peter declared, didn't he? You know, if you really go back through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to see that Jesus did the same thing. He declared, "Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. Stand up on thy feet. Pick up thy bed and walk." Come out of him. Jesus declared all the time and Peter learned how to do it. And he, when we see him doing it, the power of God is loose just like it was when Jesus did it in his own body. Still Jesus doing it. Just doing it through Peter's body now. Peter's body has become the body of Christ. Christ in Peter and the Father in him by way of the Holy Ghost. Verse 13. We've got Jesus again. I want to be believed. Well, whatsoever. You shall ask, demand, command in my name. That will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Then Jesus repeats himself. He is not very often, he doesn't very often repeat himself. But when he repeats himself almost word for word in two consecutive verses, you think he might be trying to tell us something? <laughs> He's trying to make the point. Verse 14, if you shall ask, demand, command anything in my name, I will do it. Now, what if Jesus, right? what if he walked right in beside that flower pot, come around here, put his hand on that verse and said, I want to be believed, Gary. What if he walked in your living room and you got your Bible or your phone open right there to that verse and he just walked up put his finger on it and says, 
just put one-on-one to you. I want to be believed. I want you to believe the same way Peter did. I want you to believe that I meant what I said. Whatever you demand, whatever you command in my name, I'll do it. See, it's time for the body of Christ to do the work of God. And the work of God is to believe on him whom God hath sent. Sent where? Sent into you. Sent into Gary. That is the work of God. And that's right where we are right now. We're coming into this revival. Yes, we're to live holy. Yes, we're to live sanctified lives. Yes, we're to spend time. In, and he, he just reminded again through that prophecy I mentioned. Come away with me. Spend time in prayer. Spend. He said, I don't want part of you. I want all of you. I want all of you. This prophecy that came through Bronk uh, within the past week. I want all of you. Well, let's give him all of us. Oh, boy. Here he comes again. <laughs> I don't know if you can feel that where you are. I've, I've seen it happen before where his anointing will come where I can feel it. And and I've been in Zoom meetings where that same instant, whew, you could see people in the room going like, or they'd go, because they could, he'd, he'd enter where they are. <laughs> Listen, we're, what a time. I'm going to finish where I started, I guess. What a time to be alive. We're actually coming into the to the end times. And you are alive in this generation. Dave used to say, just give me my shot. Don't, don't sit me in a pew and, and give me a partial gospel and, and, and leave out a lot of truth my whole life. Give me my shot. Tell me the truth. Give me the opportunity to believe the true word of God. And if I fail, I fail, but at least give me my shot. And that's exactly what God is doing. Well, what if I fail? I heard a minister say recently when he asked that question, right at the beginning of his ministry, he said, Lord, what if I fail? God said, well, you've already done that. You've got nowhere to go but up. I feel the same way. <laughs> i got nowhere to go but up. If I was to look at all the circumstances, and most of you know about our building and other things, many things, and, and then personally in my family, things that are going on, uh, my own body, uh, you have your own list, so I'm not going to, we're not going to go. All of that, all of it is in designed and intended by the devil to do a mark four on us, to get us diverted, thinking, you know, when, when the disciples, when that great storm hit, they weren't thinking about getting to the other side anymore. They were thinking about survival. Father, carest thou not that, or Lord, carest thou not that we perish? They were, it worked. They weren't, they did not say to Jesus, we're having a lot of trouble getting to the other side. At that moment, getting to the other side was the least thing on their mind. We're going to die now. <laughs> all, all of these things that are happening are intended to divert us from the work of God. And that is to believe on Him whom God has sent. Sent where? Sent into your heart. Sent into my heart. The Father is in Christ and Christ is in us. And He wants to do the same work that He's always done. We only have one job. We only have one thing to do. And that is to believe on Him. To trust in, cling to, rely upon Him, Christ, who God has sent into our hearts. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. It is time for the world 
to see the Father doing the works. Uh, thank you so much. Love you so much. Do not let the devil divert you. Stay laser focused. Stay in prayer and fasting and worship in the word of God. And above all, when the Lord speaks, obey him. Oh, it's a great and glorious time to be alive. I look forward to seeing you again soon. We love you. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Bye-bye for now.